This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So first of all, I haven't been here for a while. Um, so you don't even know what's going on with my ranch. Okay, we get a big Mazel Tov. A week ago, two weeks ago Thursday, we closed on it. We own it. Horses are coming up next week. Mitzvah Hashem. Um, it's magnificent. I will try maybe next week to show you a slide of what it looks like. Um, the story is like this. It's a crazy story. So for five years, I have been looking to open up a. It's not a rehab for drugs. It's it's what it's what Utah has and uh, the Mormons have for kids between 13 and 19 years old. Um, it's called a therapeutic inpatient boarding school, which is a, it's a school because kids from 13 and 19 have to have school. They're truant. It's a school, but at the same time, it's it's a lot of psych, a lot of therapy, a lot of different therapies, because those kids are either have eating disorders or they're uh, depressed or they're anxious um, or they're self mutilating or they try to to kill themselves. All these def- diff- different mental disorders, which usually come from trauma, right? So, so I found that for some reason, and tonight I'm going to give you a little bit of a theory that in all of the United States that I've traveled and I've been to a lot of rehabs and a lot of psych wards and a lot of places that one of the most amazing therapies for girls exactly how it works I don't know but it works is equestrian therapy therapy through horses specifically horses more than dogs or any other animals because you can ride a horse you can't ride a dog so you take care of it the trust between the girl and the horse is starts off with just taking care of the horse then the trust goes to the level where I will sit on you and you will not throw me and then it goes to a level of they become like one right and then it gives them the ability to start to trust a human being so the first they go through animal and through animal they get to human being there are girls that I could not would not talk to me or anybody or any of the therapists and would not make eye contact and three months after horse therapy I went to visit them in the rehab and they're like, on a horse, jumping hurdles. I'm like, not her. No way. This girl didn't even pick her head up. And you know, and it's like they're different people. So I fell in love with this idea and started to read up on it. And it's taco, one of the hottest therapies there is. Um, so I said, you know what? I don't want to just open up a place where you sit all day in therapy and group and therapy and group and therapy and group. I need to be holistic because you need to be a human being and you need to connect to Hashem's world. So I want to, I want to have a ranch with horses and give therapy, not have therapy and have horses. Have horses and give therapy, but not, it should be mostly therapy and then get, get on a horse. So a yates is like, you're on a horse. No. I want it to be based on equestrian therapy, more farming, grow your own food that you eat, Holistic, you know, art therapy, dance therapy, music therapy, um, learn how to go into the woods and take, um, sap out of a tree, you know, to use to put on your pancakes. Learn how to live off the earth. And I kept going to these places to find a place. You have to have a beautiful, you have to have a house to put the kids in, right? And everywhere I went for five years, just, we finally found the place, we went to contract, there were anti-Semites, they, we went to the, you know, county to, to get, you know, permits. They absolutely cut us out. 
They kicked us out. They didn't want no Jews. We went to this place. I went to another place. It was five hours. I drove. I looked. I went. We went to a ranch. It was it was a breeding ranch, so they didn't have in the question therapy. So most of the places have outdoor riding. You're in Utah, but in New York, you can't have outdoor riding because five months it's freezing in the snow. You can't. So you need to get a what's called an indoor riding arena. Indoor riding arena for a horse is a block long. So it's a million and a half dollars to build this thing with the stalls in it. So most of the places I went to were breeding horses. Breeding horses, you don't have a riding arena. So it just slept and slept and it didn't go. And everywhere it didn't go. And I'm like, Hashem, I don't understand you. I'm not building this for my kids. I'm building it for your kids. Uh, you know, eight million dollars. We went to see a place. Eight million dollars we didn't have. It was 700 acres. I don't need 700 acres. Just didn't work. And I was like, I don't, I don't have Hashem. I don't know. We need it. I keep sending kids to Utah. They're eating bacon and eggs in the morning. They're Hasidic girls. Like, how could you get better? Metamtim is halev. Treif food is metamtim person's life. So no matter how much therapy you're getting, your soul is like throwing up, right? So like, what are you doing? So I was like, uh, we need to make a Jewish all girls place to get healthy. And I couldn't find it. One day I get a call. My partner, the guy that was looking with me, the tzaddik, and he says, eh, he heard up in Bethel. I said, what's the name? He said, in Bethel. I'm like, oh my gosh, that must be the place. He goes, I didn't tell you anything about it. And I'm like, here's the story. Yaakov Avina went to sleep. He had a dream. And there was a ladder. And when he woke up, he said, right, what an amazing place, right? But Yikru Shemo, and he called the place Bethel. So I'm like, I'm dreaming. Um, it's an unbelievable place, probably. My right? This is the gate to heaven, not the other way, right? So I was like, this is the place. I'm telling you before I see it, this is the place. Anyway, we go up to see it. There's this mansion. Gorgeous. I never saw a house like this, right? And the man who built it must have spent, I don't know, a crazy amount of money. Every door is carved, hand-carved. Every, it's like, I, I can't even explain to you the money that he put in. He has, he has an aquarium the size of that wall, built in salt water, with pumps in the basement, crazy stuff. It's a theater, a movie theater, soundproof movie theater, with a screen in the house. I walked through this house, I'm like, this is amazing. I didn't understand, though. I come into the kitchen. It looks like it was never used. Then I go to the bathroom. He has stainless steel toilets. Don't even ask me. Okay? Stainless steel toilets, stainless steel sink, wrapped in plastic. Nobody ever was in that toilet. I'm not saying anything. Then we go to see the second house, right? Magnificent. The property is 18 acres. And then they take us to the indoor arena. It's brand new. Not used. 13 stalls. To build that arena with those stalls for horses would cost almost $2 million. So I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is $2 million. That house is $5 million. Forget it, we can't afford it. Anyway, to make a long story short, the real estate agent says, by the way, I said, like, what's the deal? The guy didn't live in the house. He goes, it took him five years to build this house, rock by rock, 
piece of wood by piece of wood. Everything's carved. The handles are, are like fake guns and arrowheads. He was like into nature and Indians and cowboys, whatever it is. It took him five years to build it. And before he could move in, he died. I'm like, he never moved into this house? No. He never used the horse arena? No. He had one horse, which was a Arabian racehorse, right? That won a lot of races. And he built this place because he was going to raise more. Never had a chance to. So here I am, fetching Hashem. I don't know what you're doing. What are you doing? I keep looking, I keep looking for your kids, and you're not helping me. And Hashem's like, Wallstein, I'm building it. Brick by brick, wood by wood. I'm having someone else build it for you, so you don't have to build it and spend $9 million, right? Because this man died, and his, 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 the people who inherited him sold it, for not, sold it for, they just wanted to get rid of it. So like, I'm going to build it for you, and I'm going to give it to you pretty much at a, at a very, very fair price. So here we are, we walk around all the time, we're like, God, what's with you? Why aren't you delivering? Meanwhile, he's building it. He's like, come on, I have the guy doing, he got into this machine in his head, or whatever he is, to build a house. Mom, if you see this house, you never saw such a thing. Piece by piece. And they have a gazebo, which is like a, a, a yoga gazebo, a round thing that you sit. It's like, it's sick. It's sick. So, Baruch Hashem, we closed on it, and I learned a very important lesson. Just trust Hashem. Just, he knows what he's doing. And many times it looks like he's not listening to you. He's got his own plans. The biggest klala in, in, in Pashas Kisavo is that you will build and never move in. You will plant and never harvest. And the biggest bracha is they will build and you will move in. That's the biggest bracha that there is. I didn't have to knock a nail in. I didn't have to do anything. Hashem delivered it. Somebody else did it for me. So that was a very big lesson. Baruch Hashem, we closed. And we have a lady from Muncie, Dana Mays, who's the number one when it comes to horses. She writes articles in all the big newspaper magazines on horses. She's taking care of our horse therapy. We have Trisha Tia, who's like the number one therapist who everyone, she's everyone supervises. Anyone who goes to a therapist, you just mentioned the name Trisha Tia. She's the top of our clinical. Um, we have this couple that were living up there anyway, and he's a farmer. And they're moving in, and he's doing all the farming. So they're going to be planting corn and tomatoes and whatever it is. So it's like, it's amazing. It's, it's Baruch Hashem amazing. And um, that's it. Now we just have to raise $2 million by September. We'll be good. So we got this far. We'll raise the $2 million, whatever we have to do. But it's amazing. Huh? No, 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 we're not open yet. We're not open yet. We're not going to open until September. But I'm, I'm already, I have 16 beds. I think they're all full before we even start. Whatever I say is. What? We can't talk publicly about this online, but if you want to talk privately, Red Walston is very focused that we shouldn't be taking, uh, people shouldn't have to raise money to send their kids to get helped. So, but we can't really talk about that in public. Anyway, um, so I got a, I got an email from someone who heard my share last week by the boys. I have no idea who this is. And she wrote the following. Did he write or she wrote? I don't know if it's a she or he. From a friend in Nevada. That's all they wrote. From a friend in Nevada. When I was younger and married, we had a cattle ranch. And also raised Appaloosas. Those are a certain type of horse. 
I had a niece who was rebelling at 12, and she was sent to me for a summer. We gave her chores and a horse to care for and ride daily to exercise him, but mostly to bond with. She was a handful for a week or two, but eventually fell in love with the routine and began helping in the kitchen and loving the ranch. She is now happily mar- a happily married young woman with children of her own, never went off to Derech, which her parents feared very much. Routine, horses, and with your girl therapy, all will be good. Thank you for doing this project, Mayor Hashem. Bless all of you who have taken this on. So we know that Mitzvah Hashem is definitely going to work, and we're very, very excited. You got a dream. You got a dream, but when you're dreaming, don't be sleeping. When you're dreaming, be awake. You got a dream, and you, Hashem knows you want to do something, and it's really the right thing. He'll help you do it. All right. So the first story I'm going to tell you really has not that much to do with women. But it just shows you to what level a person can be. I love, I mean, it's it's an unbelievable story, but don't try this story at home. But it's a very big lesson. And on a woman's level, it's a little bit different. And I'll try to explain to you what a woman should do. So he said this following story. Very famous story brought down in the Yalkut Shemoni. There was a rabbi, his name was Rabbi Masya ben Kharash. That he sat in a base medrash all day and he learned. He was a big tzaddik. Rabbi Masya ben Kharash. He had a light coming from his, from his face. He never in his life looked at a woman. Okay? I mean, maybe his wife, but no other woman did he ever look at. One day that bothered the satan, it just bothered him. How could it be possible that a man never sinned and he never looked at a woman? It's impossible. The Satan came to God. And he said, God, he didn't call him Rabbi. He called him Masim and Kharash. This Masim and Kharash, Hashem, what do you think of him? Hashem said to the Satan, In my eyes, said Hashem, he's the perfect Tzadik. He never sinned. The devil said to God, Give me permission to make him sin. You will not win with him. You will not beat him. So it became a challenge between God and the Satan. God said, this guy's not going to sin. The Satan said, yeah, watch, I'll get him to sin. If you want, you could try. So the Satan went. And he made himself look like the most beautiful woman. He's a satan. He knows how to do that. There was no such beautiful woman ever in the world. And he stood in, in front of this, this, in this chassid. He stood in front of him where he was learning. With his peripheral vision, Hamasi realized that someone standing in front of him is not looking up, but it's definitely a woman. He turned his, he turned his head away from her. Kadesh Lo Ustakabu so he wouldn't see her. But the Satan didn't give up, so every every which way that Rabbi the, the Rabbi Masha Mechoris turned his head, the Satan stood in front of him. Sometimes we feel that way, no? You turn your head this way, he's there. You turn your head that way, he's there. He's always there, right? So Omar Chassid, the Chassid said, you know, I don't know if I can fight this. Ah, I might just take a peek. I might just pick my head up from the Gemara and take a look at this lady. 
So he didn't know what to do. What did he do? He called his student and he told him, bring me fire and bring me tweezers or tongs, T-O-N-G-S, of, um, bring me fire and bring me tongs made out of metal. So the Talmud went, didn't know what he wanted. He brought him the fire. He took the tongs and the tweezers and he put it into the fire with saraf enov and he burnt his eyes out. It's a true story. Do not try this at home and this is not what we want you to do. And the question is, how do you burn your eye? You're not allowed to burn your eyes out. It's a kasha of a mice, as they say. We don't know the answer to that question. When his Avi became blind. Listen to this. When the Sultan saw that this man just made himself blind not to see him, Rod Kuloi, he, he, he began to shake. The Sultan himself began to shake. And, and he didn't know what to do, that he caused such pain to this person. Right away, God called the angel Rafal, who's a healer. Amaloi, go, hurry up, go to Ramasim and Chorosh, stand in front of him, Rapas Enov, and fix his eyes. He's a Malach, give him back his eyesight. Fix the burning eyes, uh, the, his eyes. So the, the angel Rafal went, the Zatale Ramasi stood in front of him, he couldn't see him, he was blind. Amaloi, Achosid, Miatanitza Bazer, who are you? I feel like there's someone standing in front of me, now who are you? Amaloi, any Malach Rafal? I am the angel of healing. God sent me to heal you. Amaloi, Ramasia, no. I don't want you to heal me. What happened, happened. It's better I stay like this. Who knows if that woman won't come back. So just leave it alone. Machafol went back to Hashem. He said, Hashem, he doesn't want. Go back and tell him that I command that he should be healed. And I promise. Tell him that I will make sure the Yitzhar doesn't come back. There's no more women. No more of this stuff. He should take his eyesight back, and that's it. Halach Rafal Varape, and the Malach Rafal came and healed him. Mikan Lamdu, from here we learn, Shekola Kovish Yitzro, anyone who fights the Yitzhahara and beats him, Ein Hayitzhara Shali Bayoy, Hashem won't let him come back to try to make you do that same Avera. So, no, you're not supposed to burn your eyes out, and it's probably in, even an Avera if you do. Um, on his level, we don't understand exactly what he did, but you see how important it is. Not to look at things you shouldn't. Because a person's eyes are the window to their soul. And if the window is dirty, if you have very dirty windows, even if the sun comes out, if the sun doesn't get into the room. So once you dirty your eyes by seeing things you shouldn't, then all of a sudden you're like, Rabbi Wilson, I don't know why I daven, I don't feel anything. I don't know why I do mitzvahs, I don't feel anything. I don't know why I'm so disconnected from Hashem. Well, you took your windows and you made them black. If you make your windows black, none of the Kedusha, nothing good can come into your soul. The eyes are the window to a person's soul. That's why the eyes tell, people who read eyes, right, um, can tell a lot about the person by just looking at their eyes. And that's why a man is not allowed to look into, he can look into his wife's eyes, but he's not allowed to look into another woman's eyes because his soul and her soul will then be connected in not a healthy way. So you're never supposed to, a man is never supposed to look into a woman's eyes, look into their eyes. The eyes are the window to the soul. They are, they are, they are the top of Shemayim. In Kabbalah we learn your head from your chin up is Shemayim. From your shoulders down is Oretz. Shemayim, right? Everything in Shemayim takes in. Your eyes take in. They don't give anything out. The tears don't come from your eyes. They come from tear ducts, not from your eyes. Your ears take in. 
You don't give out sound, right? Your nose smells stuff in. I'm not talking about blowing your nose in the tissue. That's not. The, the, it takes in the air. It takes in the smell. That's what a nose is for. So, the highest point of your shemayim, which is your head, the highest point is your eyes. They're above your ears. So, that's like the highest part of shemayim. So, when you... When you make that part of Shemayim Tame, because you're watching movies or things you shouldn't be looking at, so then you are Metame, the top of your Shemayim. The mouth is the bridge. The mouth does both. It takes in food, and it gives out Dibor. What controls, right, is your neck. Your neck, right, your voice box is in your neck, and, your, and your, when you eat food, it goes down your food pipe. So, the way to kill an animal or kill a person that they're dead when you cut the two pipes the, the air pipe and the food pipe when you, when you do shita, the animal is dead because you are separating shemayim ba'aretz when shemayim ba'aretz gets separated the body dies that's a lot of Kabbalistic stuff underneath your shoulders your body gives out you go to the bathroom your body gives out it doesn't take in it gives out underneath your shoulder your body by itself alone it gives out that's called the earth gave out grass. It gave out living beings. So from your shoulders down, you give out. From your chin up, you take in. The number one thing that takes in, the top thing, the highest, is your eyes. You metame your eyes, everything else is messed up. You have shmir senayim. So it's not, you know, it's, it's just about being careful of what you look at. Specifically movies and things that that you shouldn't be looking at because that is metamtem you and then when you start trying to dive in and learn and your neshama is like I, I don't, I'm not connected anymore because I'm my eyes which are my windows I can't see anything anymore so it's not the shmir zanayim of a boy it's a different thing but the shmir zanayim of girls also important girls think they, they're allowed to look at anything they want no they're not allowed to they have the same kedusha as a boy now going back to the horses I just want to tell you why I think girls and horses get along very well. I think that it's spiritual DNA. What's the spiritual DNA from? After the Shira, after they came through the Yamsuf, Miriam came with all the ladies and she sang her own Shira. One Pasek. Sus Bayam. That's what she said. Sus Bayam. The horses and their, and their riders were drowned in the ocean. Why did she pick that Pasek? Why did she sing Hashem Ishmuchama Hashem Shemo? In the whole Az Yashir, she picked Sus Farach by Ramabayam. To the Mufarshim asked, why did she pick that Pasuk? It's not like the greatest Pasuk. The horses and their riders were drowned in the Yam. Yay. I mean, we all know that. Why would she pick that as her Shiva? So Chazal say, don't get insulted, okay? It's actually a compliment, that in the marriage of, of, the, of the woman and the man, the woman is the horse. What does that mean, the woman is the horse? The, 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 the rider, this is very fascinating. In war, if you shoot the horse and you kill the horse, the horse goes down and the rider goes down. If you just shoot the rider, the horse stays alive. Right? The horse keeps going, has regular life. Kill the horse, you got them both. Kill the rider, the horse... You didn't get the horse. So, a woman who's the Akeris Habayas, if she's the one who becomes not from, 
if she's the one that goes off the derech, if she's the one that doesn't believe in Hashem, the whole family goes down. If the horse goes down, all the riders that depend on the horse go down. Right? The horse goes down, the wagon flips over. If the husband goes off the derech, and the woman stays on the derech, she'll save her family, and they see it all the time. Where these guys are, go off to this footsteps in Machshamam, to the Erev Rav, and they go off the derech, but their wife stays strong, the kids are brought up from. The woman goes off, they're all gone. So what Miriam was saying, Shira, Sus Varach by Rama Bayam, we're the Sus. We're carrying Klai Yisrael. The women of, of Klai Yisrael is carrying Klai Yisrael. Her example is a rider and a horse. So I thought to myself, maybe since she said that, there's a DNA, when a woman's on a horse, there's a DNA that it represents her, 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 her whole Shira of Sus Varach by was the Shira of the woman. And what were they thinking about? They were singing about horses. It's, Probably totally nonsense, right? What I'm saying, but to me it made a little bit of sense because it's what? The whole concept of the Merhaba is the same idea. Hashem is the writer and the tzaddik. Right, but why women like, because no, this therapy with guys doesn't work nearly as well. That's my thought. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not giving myself that much credit that I know everything, but I just, you know, so for some reason, you know, maybe we'll. Maybe we'll call the ranch Susfarach by Rama I don't know. We'll see. But it's um, but it's amazing. Hashem, one day we'll invite you up to see it. You have to see it. It's something to see. It's it's a dream. It's a dream. And you see Hashem's world. It's like a lake and woods and sunset and yeah. Ay, yeah, yeah. People don't appreciate what Hashem did for us in this world. Ay, they're busy with destroying the world. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about Zika. Actually, the name of my show last night is called the Zika Averos instead of the Zika virus. I just added to the word instead of Zika virus, it's Zika Averos. What is going on here? Why did Hashem create this crazy virus that affects the child? It doesn't affect the person. It's not affecting the person who gets bit. Isn't that crazy? The person who gets bit, it doesn't affect, but the child that she's carrying or she's going to carry, it affects. This is my opinion. You don't have to agree. And I think it's a time that we speak out a little bit about what's going on here. Okay? So the way it works is like this. This is a very deep thought. This is Rav Chaim Vital, who was the Talmud Muvik of the Rizal. And he brings down the following in Sefer Gugulim. You need to understand. This is a very important thing to understand. People are born... Very different. Some people are born cheap. They can't spend any money. From when they're a little kid, they're just born cheap. Some people are born angry. Some people are born gay. Some people are born guys just loving women. Zima. It seems to be very unfair. Specifically, children that are born gay. Now you're going to say, how do you know there's such a thing? I've had in my class over the 38 years that I taught a couple of boys that were just different and they were 8th graders and 7th graders they were different they spoke different they walked different they looked different their interests were different there was no question that they were feminine okay so we can't say that you know the, re- the, the, the three main reasons that a person's gay is one is um, that if they went through some type of sexual abuse which totally rewired them Okay, that's one way. One way is just peer pressure. It's just very in. 
It was very cool. It's very in today. So I just want to be part of that world. And then some people are born that way. Now that doesn't make any sense. Because if it's a Te'eva to Hashem, if it's something that Hashem says is a Te'eva to Him, right? Why would He create something that's a Te'eva to Him? Te'eva is an abomination. Something that disgusts Him. It's an abomination. The act is an abomination. So why would, he, why would someone be born that way? And why would a guy be born that he has this big gate to her for a girl? That's not fair. And why would another guy be born that he doesn't want to give tzedakah? That's not fair. And then you're going to yell at him later and Shemayim after 120 years that he didn't give tzedakah? You made him be born that way. And it even has to do with the month that you're born in. Because Hashem drops you in the right month that that's your teva and that month has a certain teva and that's a teva. You can go above that teva by learning being tzaddik, but so it seems to be very unfair. Chaim Vital is amazing. This is very deep and it's very true. Hashem is the is MS. Whatever he does is the most fear thing, the most is, as fear as it can be. It can't be fearer. I don't know a better word for fear, right? F A I R, not F E A R. So this is what he does. So you were born last time. Let's say the last time we're all. We're all Googling. No one here is new. None of us. And none of us, including Rabbi Wallstein, last time we were here, where we were Sham. We weren't very bad because then we'd be in Gehenna right now. And we also weren't big tzaddikim. Or we'd be in Ganeiden. We were all, last time we were here, Bainanim. We were pretty good, but we got some stuff that we had to come back here. We're all back here to fix. Or we'd be up in Shemayim and we wouldn't have to deal with this world. Okay? So, I'm in the same boat as all of you. Last time we were here, we weren't too bad. We weren't super great. We were in between. And each one of us has something to come back for. Now, Hashem is very fear. So last time, this person was here, right? He, did, he didn't come into the world very cheap. But we have Bechira, we have choice. He decided he doesn't want to give tzedakah. So he chose to be cheap. Now we have to fix that, right? He's got to come back and fix that. Because that's an Avera not to give tzedakah. So he has to fix that. But you chose to be cheap. So how are you going to fix that? The only way to fix that is to come back into this world as a cheap person and choose not to be cheap. Now you fixed the choice that you made last time. You are now making the opposite choice. But you're going to come into the world with the choice. You picked it. You picked the blue car. Don't yell at me. You decided you want a blue car. Okay? You picked it. So now the tikkun is, you're coming back cheap, and you have to work on your midos, as hard as it is to give tzedakah, to give tzedakah. And in any avera or anything you did wrong, you chose that way. So a guy, last time he was born, he had no special yetzahara for girls. He was born normal, in a normal month. He doesn't have yetzahara. He decided to be an immoral guy, and be with this girl and that girl. This girl. Ah! You decided that you want to be with a lot of girls, so the only way to fix it is to come back in this world wanting to be with a lot of girls and not acting out on your want. Then you come up to the next one, you say, I, see Hashem, last time I chose to be with a lot of girls, this time I had the HR to be with a lot of girls, and I chose not to. Tikkun, fixed. That's how you tikkun, you and your neshama in a Gilgal. Fascinating, okay? So, a child that's born gay, what did he do wrong? Last time, he wasn't. But he chose last time to act out in that way. So now he comes back with that want and he can't act on it. And that is his tikkun, as hard as it is. 
fear, not fear, you chose it. So in it, again, you have to believe in Yiddishkeit that, that an neshama goes up and has to fix and it comes back. If you're an atheist, this whole discussion is, is just random that this kid's born that way and this kid's born that way and this other kid's born that way. It's just random, not fear. Too bad. Right? Or fear, or not fear, depending on what side of the street you're standing on. Right? Just random. We don't believe in random. Everything has a tikkun. So when I gave this shit many years ago, this is not the first time I talked about this. Here maybe, but I, I spoke about it. So, a lot of, of the gay community reacted and sent me emails, and they said, we believe, we don't believe, it's not fit, whatever, whatever, but, Rabbi, the guy who decided to like girls last time, and now he comes back with that Yetzirah and he can't act on it, Hashem's giving him a wife. So he has an outlet. Right? He doesn't have an outlet to do what he did last time, to be with a hundred women, but he could be with one woman. Hashem's not giving us an outlet. We're not allowed to do it. We're not allowed to be with a man. So, it's not fair. It's a little fear. From Japan, I got this email. It's not fair. A guy that listens to all my shiur means it's not fair. Everyone else has a, has a way to act out. He's cheap. He, he, can, he can give money. This person is never allowed to act out, right? So, so it's not fair. I didn't know the answer. So I went to my Rebbe, Rebbe Gamliel. So Gamliel, everybody has an outlet except them. What's the deal? And he said, that, that's why the Torah says, Te'evas Hashem. Hashem says, this sin, which could destroy my world, because if everyone in the world was like that, there'd be no children. Women would be women. Men would be men. In a hundred years from now, the only thing that would be left on the planet are animals. Because we would not populate anymore. There'd be no people, there'd be no humans. And Hashem's reason to create the world was for us, for human beings, to learn the Torah. But if everyone is that way, and men are with men, and women are with women, and there are no more children in a hundred years, there's not a human being without a war, without a disease, without anything. There's no more human beings in the world. So, because it's on that level, the tikkun is, you can never act out on it. You gotta go through your whole life, and you have to marry a woman, or you don't, whatever. You cannot act on it, and if you're able to come to Shemayim after 120 years and said, I had this Yitzhah and you gave me this Yitzhah and I know I chose it last time and this time I did not and I fought it and I suffered and it's hard, whatever I went through and by Kosh I came back and I didn't act on it. Your, your Neshama is Misakin from that Avera. Chaim Vital. Not Ray Wallstein, not my... So therefore the Zohar says, the Arizal says, that the thing that you're struggling with the most, whatever that is, whether it's Lack of kibbutz of aim, you're fresh, you like to watch movies you shouldn't watch, that is why you're here. The thing that you struggle with the most is what you chose last time, and therefore you came into this world specifically with that Yetzirah, and you gotta break it. And that's your tikkun. Whatever you struggle with, whether it's shalom bias or, or being cheap or cursing, whatever it is that you're like, oh my god, I cannot fix this. I cannot fix this. I, I, I talk Lashon Hara. I cannot fix it. That's the one you gotta fix the most. That's your tikkun. Oh, it's not fair. Why'd you make me cheap? No. I didn't make you cheap. You chose it. On the multiple choice last time you were here, you picked cheap. So I'm bringing you back to the world cheap. Now you have to change what you chose last time. That is tikkun. So what's going on here? So here's the tikkun. The child, this mosquito, which is the smallest insect 
Hashem could use to teach us a lesson. It's not a crocodile that ate a kid, Nebuch, in Disney. It's not a big, wild, crazy animal. It's a teeny mosquito. And by the way, the mosquito is a symbol of the dark side. Mosquito sucks blood from people. It talks about the mosquito. It talks about the fly. The the, the is compared to the fly to the mosquito. It's a it's a it's a it's an insect that takes blood. What, what insects take blood out of human beings? It takes blood. It takes it lives off other people's blood. It's the other side. It's called the yitush. It's from the other side. So Hashem took this yitush, and this yitush is affecting the actual womb. Why, in my opinion? Because we, the human race, I'm not saying the Jews, the human race, which America believes in is pro-abortion, which means that the child in the womb we don't consider a life. I'm talking about America, America, the Supreme Court. So you are killing children in the womb. And, and the Supreme Court just decided that after the first trimester, which was the law in Texas, because Texans are... Our, our religious people, they said, abortion after the thir- after after three months you can't do. You're killing the kid. Supreme Court overturned it and said, no, Texas, you're wrong, and we overturned it. You can do it later, and if you can't get the kid out, you can cut them into pieces to get them out. So, the human being, we are murdering. We are legally murdering children. It goes on every single day in abortion clinics. So Hashem, Hashem, in my opinion, is saying, you chose that to happen, then I will bring an insect that'll do it for you. That's what you want. You want to you want to hurt children in a womb. The, the the human being feels that you can do that. Well, then you created a mosquito that is going to hurt the children in the womb. Me, the connected with you are messing with the womb. Now I'm going to create something that's only going to mess with the womb, not the mother. The abortion doesn't hurt the mother. It doesn't kill the mother. They wouldn't do it. It takes the child away. The mother walks away after three weeks, and she's okay. If they if you know if they, if they know what they're doing. So it doesn't affect the mother, it just affects the baby. You're killing the baby, you're not killing the mother. I will create a disease that you're killing the baby, you're not hurting the mother. The baby can be bought by, bitten by this mosquito, a second after it's born has no effect. Scratch it, have a good day. No effect on the baby whatsoever. Only has an effect on the womb. We have brought this to the world. We have no problem, let's say us, but the world has no problem with killing children. Get pregnant and then kill them. So we created, if you understand what Chaim Vital is saying, we chose, as a human race, we chose that you can harm children in the womb. You can actually kill them. Okay, if that's what you chose, I'll create a bug that'll do it for you. So we, as Jewish people, who do not believe that you can do that, unless it's a danger to the mother's life, because the mother's life goes first, we need to dive into Hashem because we represent the neshama of the world and we need to tell Hashem that it bothers us what they're doing and we don't agree with it and we're going to vote against the people that vote for it and we're going to make a stand for it and therefore you should take this bug away from the world because the nucleus of Klai Yisrael, we do care who's, who's demonstrating here, who's not voting for the pro-abortion people in the party, we don't, nobody even looks at it, nobody even cares who cares, right? It's not us it's our world. We're the neshama of the world. We are the soul of the world. It's got to bother us. If it doesn't bother you, there's a price to pay. That's my feeling on that subject.
I might be wrong, I might be right. I just look at me, the Kinegimida. Why is Hashem messing with kids in the womb? Because we're messing with kids in the womb. And we're messing with kids in the womb, the human race. He's going to mess with kids in the womb. Okay, that was subject number one. We're going to finish up with very, very important subject. And that is as follows. There's a big movement... And the old generation, we, we just don't, we can't stand watching this. Very big movement of unconditional love. We need to give our children unconditional love. The therapist tells you unconditional love. The, the teachers tell you unconditional love. If you don't give unconditional love, you're a bad parent, a mean parent, you killed your kid. It's all your fault. Everything is your fault. The, the, the generation that we live in today, it's no one owns their own stuff. We don't own our own stuff. It's everyone else's fault. That's what we brought up. I had a kid that went to a therapist who was totally messed up, and the therapist said, there is no question that you were sexually abused. And the kid said, I'm sorry to say this, but I have a very healthy family, and nobody ever touched me. And the therapist says, it is impossible. It is impossible. Your behavior, it has to be that you went through some abuse. And the girl said, uh, I didn't go through any abuse. Must be, said the therapist, that you buried it so deep, the abuse, that you don't even recognize it anymore. She's like, doctor, I promise you, nobody ever did anything to me. No. We know about such cases where when you go through trauma, you bury that trauma and you can't even remember it. We are going to send you to hypnotherapy. We are going to send you to a hypnotist who's going to hypnotize you. And when you're under hypnosis, it works. When you're under hypnosis, we will be able to get all the fences and guards down. And we're going to find out exactly what happened to you when you were younger. Okay? She goes under total hypnosis. Under, gone, in a different world. Hypnotist goes through the whole thing. Report, no sexual abuse. Goes back to the therapist, his report. It's my stuff, man. It's not someone did something to me. I got a problem therapist says, sometimes you can bury it so deep that even the hypnotist can't get to it. I'm like, she's acting out. It happens. You have Yetzirah and you act out. Not always did someone abuse you. So we, we live in this world. Yes, if you're abused, you're abused. And, and that's a terrible thing. And that, that definitely is trauma. And, 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 and we're going through a lot of that right now. Okay? But not always is it someone else's fault. And even if it is someone else's fault, the bottom line at the end of the day, you can't live your life pointing fingers. Because as long as you point your fingers at others, you never get to, to help yourself. So in the Holocaust, my mother-in-law, she went through the Holocaust, she lost her whole family. She ended up in Siberia. Okay? Her mother remarried some guy. She had a sister that died. I mean, she went through... Gehenim, and she came to America and she got married and she brought up my, 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 my wife and the family and a healthy family she's a great grandmother and she's like I don't understand all these girls that you take care of whatever it is that they're walking around with their face down to the ground and they don't want to talk to anyone and Man, you have to buy me this and you have to buy me that and she was like who bought me anything she said we were in a holocaust we owned our stuff we went further we didn't point fingers we didn't point fingers at Hashem and we made a life out of ourselves and it's not working this idea is not working. 
Because when it's everybody else's fault, it's not my fault, so then why do I need to do the work? You gotta own your stuff or you're not gonna grow. It's not right or wrong. You're just not gonna grow if all day long you just feel bad about what happened to you. You can't grow, you gotta get up. And this is what I, what I, what I explained in my, two weeks ago in my boys' share. Unconditional love is when I tell you, when I push you, and it hurts that I'm pushing you, and you don't like me, right? It's like your trainer when you're trying to lose weight, and he's like, I want 10 more, and you're like, I can't! And he's like, well, then I'm quitting, and you're like, I hate you! You hear that more in a gym than anything else. I hate you! And like, five more lifts! I really hate you! And then when you walk out of the gym, you're like, wow, I feel great. You hate him? You hate him? You don't hate him. You know what you would hate him for? If he said, oh, you don't want to do it anymore? Okay. Go watch a movie. That's a guy that's conditional love. So a parent that gives their kids whatever they want. I want... So this Avi Fishoff, who is, um, was, is a close friend of mine. He's a tzaddik. He's a good boy. He, he created um, Home Street Home where he had guys living there and I was part of it. And I don't know what happened. He got into this thing called um, twisted parenting where, where he, he, he preaches that you got to give your kid whatever they want. So if a girl is at a baseball game with her father and she says, I want a tray for Frank with cheese on it, Oscar Meyer, not only, not only do you have to allow her to eat it, you have to buy it for her. If she wants to smoke pot, you have to buy her the pot. If she wants to bring a boy into your house, right? She wants to bring a boy into your house, you have to make the bed for them and clean the sheets for them and make sure it smells really nice in the room. That's his psychology. And that's how you're going to get your child back. And I'm like, you are killing your child. You are taking them to hell. When a boy sleeps with a girl and she's in Nida, the chayf kares. You, you made the bed for that? You made the bed in hell for your child? Like, what are you doing? I'm like, Avi, what are you saying? What are you doing? What's going to happen after 120 years? Hashem's going to say, like, what did you do? You, you bought her a, a tray for Frank because you wanted her to be your friend? That's conditional love. I will do for you whatever you want because I need you to like me. That's not unconditional love. I'm not thinking about you. I'm thinking about you liking me. And I don't want to lose you as my child. If you, if you do all those Averis, I lost you in this world and in the next world forever. You love your child? You want to bring him into hell? What are you doing? So the answer is, well, it's Bikuach Nefesh. Bikuach Nefesh, if someone's dying, you have to give them Chazer. So where are they dying? Well, if they don't get along with you, then you're going to start doing drugs. Then if they're going to start doing drugs, you're going to overdose. So overdose, you're going to die. So therefore, pikuach nefesh, you have to give them everything. That's not pikuach nefesh. Because then, when isn't pikuach nefesh? Kid says, "Ta, if you don't buy, if you don't give me, I'm 14. If you don't let me drive the car, I'm going to kill myself." Okay, pikuach nefesh, drive the car. Like where's it going to end? If you don't buy me a new iPhone, I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to go sleep with someone. Pikuach uh, nefesh. Right, where does it end? It's not, that's, Pukach Nefesh is someone's on a bridge about to jump off, and they're like, if you don't give, if you give me Chazer, right, I won't jump off. Then you have to give them Chazer. But not because they're in a car, they might end up in the car, getting out of the car, getting on the bridge. Not, that's not Pukach Nefesh. They happen to be in a car. So the whole, the whole thing, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know where it's coming from. It is totally, and the reason I'm saying this openly, okay, the twisted parenting is absolute apicorsis, right? It's because people are walking around saying that Rabbi Wallstein agrees with him. 
I do not agree with him. It is api courses. You are taking your child and bringing them to camp. Now you're going to tell me that later on they're going to do tshuva, and I can prove to you, kids, those kids in my in my mind, those kids didn't do tshuva because you let them sleep with a girl or gave them chazer treif. That's not why they did tshuva. They would have done tshuva much earlier had you not done that. And it's just it's 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 taking off people and. I'm not judging the parents who do it because they lost their kid and I never went through that and they just want their kid back they just want a hug and they, they want their kid to love them but the price that you're paying listen if God said all of us could do whatever we want we can do whatever we want eat whatever we want do every Aveira we can be whatever we want we can eat people we can be cannibals we can do whatever we want you think there'd be any atheists in the world? Ah, we don't love them man there's a God we love you we can do whatever we want. Unconditional love. Right? I should have like, if you do whatever you want, you're not going to have a soul left. And the soul is part of me. So i got to tell you that you can't do this. And you know what? You have to wear tzitzes. And yeah, your skirt has to be, you have to be a tznua. And you hate me for it, right? You hate me for it. You would rather wear pants and a short skirt. You don't like God. Who is this God, right? And God's like, I don't like to be hated. I want to be loved. But that's not going to be good for your soul. So you know what? I unconditionally love you. So I'm doing what's good for you, even if you don't like me. Even though I'm giving you life and you don't like me and you want you hate me, doesn't matter if you hate me, you don't hate me. The real coach, I had a coach. I was a great hockey player, but I didn't know how to skate backwards. And he told me he's kicking me off the team. I was the high scorer. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm the man. He's like, no, you don't know how to skate backwards. You don't come back. He said, you got you got to practice two hours a night. I practice and practice till you're nauseous, till you're throwing up, going backwards for two hours. Turn around, go backwards. You already skate back, right? But then all of a sudden, you're the superstar. You can skate backwards better than anyone else. And you're like, Coach, I love you. Yeah, but for the last two years, you didn't love me. You hated my guts. Every time you skated backwards, you cursed my name. You're right. I did. I hated you. That's unconditional love. I want you to be the best hockey player. It's not about you liking me. And this whole twisted parent thing is about you, the kids giving them that they should like you. But you don't like them, really, because you're taken to a place in the next world. This world is for 70 years. The next world is forever. It's really twisted, and it's really apicorsis. And I think he's a big tzaddik, and I love him, but something flipped. It's the Eight Sahara totally sold him this idea. Now, Wallstein, are you a therapist? Nope, I'm not a therapist. Are you a rabbi? I don't have smicha. Uh, if anyone came here and asked me a shiloh, I would never pass them to you. I'd go to my Rebbe. Alright, Rebbe Weinfeld. So, Rabbi Wallstein, you're getting up here and you're making speeches about chinuch. What do you know about chinuch? And my answer is, 38 years in the classroom. That's all I got. I got experience, 38 years. That's a big chunk of life. Since I'm 20 years old. 39 years. 39 years I'm in a classroom. 39 years I'm dealing with Girls, boys, and their parents, and all their problems. I have 39 years of experience. I have a right to have an opinion. Maybe wrong. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a rabbi. But 39 years living with kids, day and night, not only in the classroom, my whole day, my whole night. Kids, 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 parents, kids, kids, kids. Shalom bias, kids, kids, kids. That's all I do. That's all I do. Day and night, that's all I do. So, I have experience. Uh, am I a doctor? Am I Abraham Twersky? No. Do I have a PhD and 16 letters in front of my name? No. My name may have Zachary Shimon Wallace, maybe 16 letters. But I don't have any extra letters. But I put my time in. 
I put 39 years into Chinuch, and I hope Hashem will give me a lot more. I put a lot of time in. I have a right to have an opinion. I may be wrong. People might say, he's cuckoo. He's out. Okay, so I'm cuckoo. But I have a right to have an opinion. I don't have a blog, because I don't have such a phone. Right? But I definitely have a right to have an opinion. My, that's my opinion. My opinion is we are destroying our children. When someone does something wrong, you need to tell them that they did something wrong. They need to know that you love them. And yes, instead of buying her the two francs with the cheese on it, take her to the best restaurant in New York. The best kosher restaurant. Buy her whatever sushi she wants. Kosher. You can love your children kosher. Take her kosher places. Take her to the zoo. Take her to Niagara Falls. Go hang gliding. I don't care what you do. Go to the safari in South Africa. Go to, go to Alaska. Give your children time and show them that you love them, but not by taking them into hell. Not by feeding their averas. That's how you, that, that's how you're showing them that you love them. You love yourself. You just want them to like you. It's about you. It's not about them. It's not really about them. It's so false. And, and you know, that I'm, that I'm coming out and saying, you're like, Abby's going to be like, wow, I can't believe you did that publicly. And the answer is, I'm fed up with people coming out to me and saying, oh, you, you hold from Abby, you hold from that, give kids whatever they want. I'm like, no. In my high school, okay, I got girls that went through abuse that you can't even imagine the abuse they went through. Right? And I should have a lot of pity on them. And I created a school for them. But you know what? You cannot come into my school unless you're wearing a uniform. And the uniform is a skirt that goes down to your ankles. And a t-shirt that covers your arms. Are you crazy, Red Wallstein? That's what you're giving these girls after everything they went through? And the answer is what this person wrote. You gotta have routine. You gotta have rules. No rules, you don't feel like you're anybody. So yes, what do they wear in the street? Oh my gosh, they don't wear anything in the street. The way they get dressed. That's in the street. But when you're in my building, in my school, I have a certain respect. There's a certain respect for school. It's a school. Even public school. It's a school. It's a place that you're coming to learn. It's a, it's, it's a Jewish school. So when you're in my school, your skirt's going to be to your ankle or you're not coming into my school. And you're going to be there at 10 o'clock when it starts or you're not coming into my school. You show up at 10.01, the door's locked. You know what they told me the first week I had school? They came, of course, the girls came at 11. They have to, they have to see, test you, right? 10.30. And I was standing by the door and I'm like, can't let you in. And they're like, you don't let me in? I'm going to be with five guys today. And I'm going to go to Gehenna because of you, Rabbi Wallerstein. Another girl said, I'm going to kill myself. What are you going to say that you didn't let me in and I killed myself? What are you going to tell everyone? I'm going to say, you killed yourself. <laughs> I didn't kill you. You should, have, you should have been here at 10 o'clock. You're committed. You're committed to coming to school. 10 o'clock is not early. There's no school in the world that starts at 10. My school starts at 10. You don't come at 10 o'clock, you're not committed. You're not committed. I'm not putting my energy and my teacher's energy into a child that's not committed. I am not coaching a child that's not getting on the court, that's going to sit on the chair and watch the game. You don't need a coach. And I was like, this will never work. Wallstein, not with this population. I mean, these girls, I mean, they're nebuch. They're all nebuchs. You can't lock them out. And I'm like, they are not nebuchs unless you make them nebuchs. It took two weeks. It's now eight years later. Nobody comes at 10.01. 
everyone's in school at a quarter to ten. Do you think I would have done them a favor if I would have been soft and said, Oh, 11! Baruch Hashem, you came! Great! Guess what? School ends at 3.30. 90% of my school after, after three months would show up at 3.15. So, yes, they did not love me those days and they were angry. You're like all the other rabbis that threw us out of school. You're making the same... Oh, I heard it. Oh, you're making the same school that I ran away from. I'm never coming back. I'm like, girl, you ran away from a school that started at 8. My school starts at 10. It ain't the same school. And why do I have to wear a uniform? And then they roll their uniform up that's not a uniform. I'm like, no, you can't roll your uniform up. You got to wear it as a uniform. This is a yeshiva. This is a school. Respect. Respect. You go out. So are you dressing up for me? No. You're dressing up for you. So that you can feel respected. Dressing up for me. You don't have to come to school. You don't, you don't want to get dressed up. Don't come to school. Girls, this is what happened here. This is what happened in the whole Bamidbar. A Moshe Rabbeinu let the Erev Rav out. We'll end with this. And this is very scary. And this is the part that didn't come out last night on the tape. I hope it's not because Hashem didn't want me to say it. I hope it's because the Sutton didn't want me to say it. Rav says the following. It's very scary. He says in the times of Mashiach where we are right now, when Adam was separated from Chava for 130 years because she gave him to eat from the tree and he was upset, he separated, he did a big sin. When he did that sin, his soul exploded and fragmented into many little pieces. Actually, 600,000 pieces. For Mashiach to come, all these pieces have to be put back together again. We're called the Ikve de Mashiach because we're at the, we're at the heel. We're at the heel of Adam. We put everything back together. We're just missing the heel. Once the heel is finished, the body of Adam, the spiritual body of Adam is done, Mashiach comes. Okay? When he did this, all these souls were in the world. They were taken out of the world by the, they were, in the Dor HaMabal, when the Mabal happened, they were taken out of the world, all these souls, because everyone died. When Noah came back down, and there were ten generations, they were brought back into the world. In the tenth generation, the Dor HaFlugger, they tried to build the Tower of Babel. And once again, these souls did not fix, right? These broken souls, they did not fix. And where did these souls end up going? After the Dor HaFlugger, it said Hashem spread them across the world. They all ended up in Egypt. And in Kabbalah, we learned that the Jews went into Egypt, to take all these nitzutim, they're called nitzutim, fragments, to take all these nitzutim out of Mitzrayim, get the Torah, and fix it. Moshe Rabbeinu was in the, in the palace, most of the nitzutim were in the palace, and when they left, they weren't Jews, this was the nitzutim, they were not, they were not Jews. When we left Mitzrayim as the, as the winners, there was a group, a huge group of Mitzrayim. These were the, all these fragments of the sin that Adam did. And they left with us, and Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, they were called the Erev Rav. They were not Jews. They joined the Jewish nation because we were the winners. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, do not take them with you. They will destroy the Jewish nation. We are, we, our souls are very different than theirs. We are from Avram Avinu, they're from the Mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeinu said, they're Bali Tshuva. They, they want to join us. How can you say no? Hashem said, I'm just advising you not to do it. Every time Moshe Rabbeinu had a Chmanis, whack got whacked 
He had Rachmanus on the baby in the wall. He pulled the baby out. It ended up being the one who was uh, Mekalel or whatever. was Mekalel Hashem, right? Anytime he had Rachmanus on something, right, we got whacked. The Erev Rav, this group, their whole thing was to make the Jews sin. So when they made the Egel, who was the Um who came to Aaron? wasn't Jews, it was the Erev Rav who became Gerim, who were acting like Jews. They came to Aaron. Aaron was soft. He was nice. He said, we'll see what happens tomorrow. And the eagle happened. He didn't slam him. And the reason he didn't slam him was because Chor slammed him and they killed him. And Aaron knew if he slams them, they're going to kill him too. And if the Kayin Gadol and Chor would be killed in the same day, the whole Jewish nation would be unforgiven and they would be all destroyed. And Aaron didn't want that. He was willing to sacrifice himself that they shouldn't be destroyed. Again and again and again by the Mon, they complained about the Mon, they complained. Last week's Pasha, they said, we don't have meat. We don't have meat, we don't have meat, we don't have meat. They're slaying him. They said, we don't have meat. Rashi says, what do you mean don't have meat? They had cattle. It says that they had so much cattle that they, there was so much they couldn't even bring them all into Israel. They had so much sheep and so many cows. So what do you mean you don't have meat? You have cows. Go make lamb chops. Like, go, go make steak. Why did, so Rashi says, no, they had meat. They just wanted to complain. They didn't, they, they didn't want anything. They are mislaying them. They want to complain. They are anti-God. Every single thing that we went through was the area of Rav. Hashem said, I told you not to bring them with you. This week's parasha, Shlach Lecha Anoshim. Hashem said, I don't want you to send spies. It's not going to be good. Moshe Beno said, but the people wanted Hashem. So Hashem said, really? Shlach Lecha. I'm not giving you permission. I'm giving you permission, but I'm telling you it's not good. Shlach Lecha. If you want to send, it's for you. It's not for me. Because I have that nanny covered. They're going to take care of everything. I have all the, we went through Mitzrayim. They shot at us and bounced off. So we're going to do the same thing here. Right? Hashem said, don't do it. Hashem said, ah, but, but we're going to tell the people. They want to see. They're going to spy. Look at Boom! Look what happened. Let them get away with it again. Look what happened. Then next week's parasha comes, comes a chukas. Talks about the paraduma. What does Rashi say? The first Rashi? That the Shreine Hadar. Who are, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Kairach. Kairach. Kerach shows up. Now that we're ready, anti Moshe, he gets up and just goes totally anti Moshe, right? So it doesn't stop. Pasha by Pasha, Klai Israel is pretty much falling apart. Then it comes to Pasha's Chukas, and, 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 and Lefi, Shahasatim, Bumasa'ilam, Mainis Yitro, all of a sudden the whole world is making fun of us. Red cows, what's going on over here? Good things happen to bad people, bad things happen to good people. I hope the whole place is flying. Finally, there's a situation. Pinchas. Everyone's getting away with everything. There's Erevrav, there's Egel, there's Slav. There's, it doesn't stop. They complain about the water. Like, why did you take us to? Why did you take us out of Mitzrayim? We had pickles. We had watermelon. They don't stop. The Erevrav doesn't stop trying to ruin the Jewish nation. Now, finally, they get to the Jewish nation, and not an Erevrav, but but Kazbi Basur, right? This this woman and the and the the, the, the head. Of Zimri ben Soli, the head of the Shevet Shimon, gets up and does an Aveira in public in front of everyone. And Moshe Rabbeinu is frozen. He can't say anything. Because the girl that he was doing what he was doing in front of everyone was a Midianite. And Moshe married a Midianite. So he knew that if he said something, they would say, What's your problem that he's with this Midianite? You also with a Midianite. You married Zipporah. So he couldn't say anything. Aaron couldn't say anything. So the two of them were just standing there. And Pinchas was watching this. Unconditional love! If that's what they want to do! He said, no. Unconditional love is... He took a spear, 
and he threw it and killed both of them and then took the spear with the two of them on top of the spear and held it up for everyone to see this is what you do this is unconditional love enough enough of being pushed around this has to stop and Hashem said had you not done this 24,000 people already died I would have wiped out Klai Yisrael somebody has to stand up for God somebody has to say what has to be said somebody has to do what has to be done and you're like well this rabbi right Wallerstein he's talking about gays and he's talking about all this stuff he's, he's a what is he a caveman what is he a bigot what is he a racist you know what Shimon the shaman Shimon spoke about about Pinchas they wanted to kill him it was the biggest miracle that they weren't able to shave Shimon after he did what he did they wanted to kill him do you know what Hashem said? Brisi Shalom, you think this man is an angry, vengeful, racist bigot? What he did was unconditional love. He did something that he knew he would be hated for, but he knew that it was the right thing. So Hashem made Pinchas Eliyahu Navi. And Eliyahu Navi will come when all this stuff is going on. He will come and he will bring so this is the scary part and this is the part that's not on the and I hope it's not because Hashem doesn't want me to say it so Rav Chaim tells us the following Mashiach and Olam Haba will only be for the Jews no Erev Rav Hashem will make sure there will be no Erev Rav mixed in to the Jewish nation when Mashiach comes he's not allowing it they don't deserve it and he's not allowing it but how are we going to get rid of their Jews who do we know amongst us who's Erev Rav? Maybe I am. Maybe someone else is. How do you know if someone's Erev Rav? So Rav Chaim Vital says, anybody who causes another Jew to sin, parties, clubs, takes their friends to bad places, he says that person cannot be a Jewish, normal Jewish neshama. That is a person who's an Erev Rav. And in the end of time, the way that Hashem will cleanse Klai Yisrael is that the people who are Erev Rav We'll go off the derech. We'll join footsteps. And when Mashiach comes, they will be off the derech and they will not be saved. And others will intermarry. Men who will intermarry Goyish women, their children will be Goyim. They're over. They're, not, they're, not, they're no more Jews because their children are Goyim. So once they die, all the generations from that era of Rav is over. But he says, but we don't know who is and who isn't. So we have to be Makar of everybody. But in the end, the ones who are Erev Rav will not come back. And when Mashiach comes, they will not be part of the Geula. And we don't know when Mashiach is going to come. And this organization, who came out of nowhere 15 years ago, called Footsteps, is the source of the Erev Rav of our generation. So many kids and so many families are being broken by these people who are taking this organization who is taking regular Jewish people and having them eat chazer and, and just destroying ripping out their atheists ripping out their Jews the lady that runs it was a Lubavitcher chassid was from a Lubavitcher family they're Jews so they know the Erevah were Jews they know our weaknesses they know what to say and what not to say so these are the times of Mashiach and in the times of Mashiach where's there an Erevah who's going to do that it's created. It's called footsteps. And they're big. And they're getting bigger. And every single day, there's another woman who comes to me and says, my husband just joined footsteps. He eats treif. He doesn't keep Shabbos. My kids are payas. My kids are from. What do I do? Do I get divorced? He said, he'll keep it secret. 
but he's part of them. He goes to the groups. They sleep with everything. They do every Avera. Every, they make sure that you do every single Avera that, that exists and you don't believe in Hashem. And the guy wrote a book who never, the from girls are all reading, from guys are reading. He wrote a book and he writes in the book exactly what the rabbi is going to answer when you say that and what your parents are going to answer. And the girls are like, wow, how did he know that? Maybe it's true. Maybe there isn't a Hashem. This is them. They're back. They came back for the generation of Mashiach. They're back. They're called footsteps. And they're taking the Jewish people who are Erev Rav into their midst. And our job is to try to bring them back and that they're not Erev Rav. But if they don't ever come back, says with Chaim Bital, Hashem is cleansing Klai Yisrael. It's very scary. It's very scary what's going on. Our job is, of course, to try to get every single Jew back. That's what Klai Yisrael needs to do. But in the end, the ones that are going to make it are the ones that are, that are Klai Yisrael. And that's a very scary thought. And between Z, between what's going on in the world and just just, I can't I can't say it's the reason. I, I wouldn't come out of my mouth. But the mass murdering of people. What happened in Turkey just now? The mad just just you know there are pictures of kids that were dead on the floor. Like these people just blow themselves up and and they don't have any care about human life. Maybe we don't have enough care about human life. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that sort of spread into the part of the into the world that human life is just not getting enough care. It's not that important anymore, and that's maybe why things. Are, I don't know. I don't know. They believe that they're tzaddikim. They're doing it. They're going to go to. They're going to go to Gan Eden. I have a story. It's too late tonight. But I have a story about this whole story. If you listen to last night's share, that'll be in there. Um, a whole story about how the Satan fooled a whole country that at six years old used to jump into a, into a volcano and kill themselves because they thought they were going to Ganadin and that the Satan would come back three days later as the person saying, I'm back, everything's great, I, you know, because I jumped into the fire, I, I went straight to Ganadin. And this, this country, no one lived past 60. At 60, you jumped into the fire. He mamish fooled them. These people blow themselves up, they really think they're going to Ganadin. It's the Satan, it's the same thing. It happened before. He did this before. And, and, and I have the story here. It's not for tonight. It's too late. But we need to stop thinking. We need to start realizing that we're in a generation that has everything of Mashiach. And, and we need to prepare. And we, and we need to try to bring back before. Because if he comes tomorrow, you know, how many people are not, are not part of our nation anymore and don't believe in Hashem? It, it's, it, the Ramam says you can't do tshuva after Eliyahu after they build the shofar. You can't do tshuva. Because at that point, it's not Bechira. You know, you know Mashiach, so you know Hashem is God, so doing tshuva too late. So the minute he comes, tshuva is not accepted. So the tshuva has to happen before he comes. The minute he shows up, I'm sorry, I don't know, I believe in you, I'm sorry for being an atheist. Too late. It's too late, because it's not Bechira. You see Hashem, you see, you see Mashiach, so it's not a choice. Now you don't have a choice. Too late. Tshuva has to be done when you have a choice. So let's all make the right choice, and let's do tshuva, and let's have a healthy, good summer, and let's let's act, let's at least protest to ourselves, to Hashem, how much we love Him, and how much it hurts us that what you know the world is doing to His children and to Him. And and I just told someone, you know why there's only one God? Because nobody else wants a job. <laughs> when when the human beings do well, what do we say? <laughs> look what I did. When you do something wrong, look what God did to me. Terrible job. 
But he does it anyway because he has unconditional love. It's not about you liking him. It's about you being healthy and about you, after 120 years, coming back to him and sitting with him by the Kishar covered. May we all be, have the chutz to see Mashiach, Vimheri, Vimein, Vimein. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.